0: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod, or text WonderyPod to 500-500.
1: I opened a bottle of wine. Natalie and Christopher continued to giggle, just having fun. And then Robert Wagner, out of the clear blue, picked up the bottle of wine and smashed it.
2: I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and this is My Life of Crime. And now, please welcome 48 Hours correspondent and the host of a new podcast, My Life of Crime, Erin Moriarty. No, it always makes me a little teary to come out to see all of you and to see how interested you are in these cases we do. Get comfortable. Um, You've little got little the surprise. best seats in the house at CrimeCon. That's the annual convention for people who are like you and fascinated by true crime. I'm about to discuss a case that has haunted America for years. So listen in. We've come to talk about Natalie Wood and the investigation into her death, the fact that we are talking about this case 37-plus years later and about her death 37-plus years later says so much about how important she was in her life. Now, just to remind you, it was Thanksgiving weekend in November of 1981. The iconic actress, Natalie Wood, was sailing on a yacht called The Splendor off the coast of California, near Catalina Island. She was with her husband, actor Robert Wagner, and two other people, when they reported her missing from the boat. She was later found drowned, floating in the water, not far from the yacht. Her death initially ruled an accident, stunned the world. I mean, Wood was a huge star in Hollywood at the height of her fame, and she was only 43 years old. And then the whispers and questions began. Was it really an accident or was there foul play? All these years later, there are still people who wonder what really happened on the Splendor. In 2011, because of all these questions, the LA County Sheriff's Department reopened the case this is detective ralph hernandez who describes some of the troubling evidence
1: there were a number of bruises that appeared to be fresh she looked like the victim of an assault
2: when hernandez and lieutenant john carina decided to do their first interview about the investigation it was with me for 48 hours they believed natalie wood's death might not have been that simple accident after all. And more significant, they began calling her husband a person of interest. Do you believe that Robert Wagner knows a lot more about what happened to his wife than he's ever said?
0: Well, I think he absolutely does because he's the last one to see her. She got in the water somehow and I don't think she got in the water by herself.
2: Natalie Wood's death certificate was changed from accident to undetermined. There's now a person of interest, but where does the case go from here? That's why we went to CrimeCon to discuss this case with the one person who may want those answers more than anyone else. So I'd like to introduce to you right now a woman who has spent almost half her life, think about that, almost half her life, seeking answers to what happened to her sister. Please welcome very warmly, Lana Wood. Now, before we get started talking about Natalie, I do want to point out that, and I think most of you know that Lana herself has had a most illustrious career, Um, and she was in Peyton Place, and my favorite, which I love to say, she was a Bond girl. Does everyone know she was a Bond girl? She was Plenty O'Toole in Diamonds Are Forever with Sean Connery. But what we really wanted to talk about today is the loss of her sister. Um, When Lieutenant John Carina said publicly that Robert Wagner, your brother-in-law, was a person of interest, what was your reaction?
3: Did you feel vindicated? Because you had had questions for years. Years, yes. Um, No, I can't say that I felt vindicated at all. I just felt a little glimmer of hope um, that things might move forward and we would finally know the
2: truth. I mean, that's really been your goal is to know what happened to your sister. Yes,
3: absolutely. Absolutely.
2: What made Natalie Wood's drowning so poignant was her well-known fear of dark water. I had her sister listen to a clip from an interview Natalie did before her death. I've always been terrified, still am, of, uh, of, of water, dark water, seawater. So, how long had she had that kind of fear, and where did that come from? Because you were aware of that when she was oh, growing yes. up.
3: Oh, yes. No, it came from our mom, who uh, left. My mom was born in Russia, but her family moved to China when she was only four years old. So, she was basically raised in China, and she had always said that a fortune teller, a, a gypsy in China told her that she would have a, a child that would be known all over the world and be very famous, but someone was going to drown. Oh, my God. Are you serious? So, yeah. So my mom related that story to Natalie and I, and it really terrified Natalie. I thought nothing of it. I thought, well, that's... It's a bunch of hooey. And, um, but Natalie took it to heart and was really scared. She never learned to swim. We, she would have barbecues and things at her house and never went in her own pool. But how did she feel about going on the yacht, though? Well, she wasn't in the water. She, was, she just didn't want to be in it. On it was OK. Wasn't perfect, but it was OK. So
2: let's go back a little bit to November 1981. First, I okay. just want to say what her life was like. So at that time, she's married to Robert Wagner. Again. Again, that's Again. my point. So when she
3: first met him, this was true love, right? Well, this was true something. She was she was very young. She was 18 years old. She was a teenager. Natalie was very caught up in a fantasy world where you have a wonderful career and you have a husband and you have children and your own home. And um, she just became enamored with RJ. She dropped everybody else she was seeing, and that was her focus.
2: And when you have a two-career family, and they're both in Hollywood, her her career was doing better than his in that first marriage, wasn't yes. it? Yes, yes, it was. And that caused problems? Well,
3: you know, if you logically want to think about a man's ego, sorry, but they like to feel that they're the breadwinner, they're the boss, they're running things, and when you have to take a second position in a family, it's, it hurts ego. And R.J. used to show that he was jealous, which was very uncomfortable. So one thing we
2: learned when we were following this investigation from the investigators with the uh, L.A. County Sheriff's Department was that they found a witness, a young man who lived next door um, to Natalie and Robert Wagner in the very first marriage. And he said that one night she came in the middle of the night saying, he's gonna kill me, he's gonna kill me. Um, Do you believe that happened? Do you believe that there might have been that kind of scary tension
3: in the first marriage? Not only do I believe it, but I find it oddly uncomfortable because that's what Natalie and I used to go through when we were very young, is my dad was very unhappy with Hollywood, unhappy being there. And my mother loved it, and my dad would get drunk and show violence. He would pick up an object and fling it across the room. And my mother would constantly say, go run to the neighbor's house. Go knock on the neighbor's door. So that's what Natalie and I would do, was go to a neighbor. So the first
2: marriage fell apart, and mm-hmm. then she went out with Warren Beatty. Obviously Natalie Wood did not have any trouble finding great men. <laughs> um, but then she came back yes. to Robert Wagner. Were you surprised? Yes,
3: I was stunned, absolutely stunned. Because by then, she had been engaged to other men. Um, so much had happened. Um, I was, yeah, I was, I was astounded. I thought it was not a good idea. And why did she explain that she
2: went back? This time it wasn't the starry-eyed, I'm in love with him. No. What did
3: she say to you? She was feeling that if she didn't get her life together at that point, it wouldn't happen because I said, why are you going back with him? And she said, well, sometimes it's better to be with the devil you know than the devil you don't. And I said, but that doesn't make sense to me. And I told her, if you had said to me, I'm madly in love with him, I need to be with him, I've missed him horribly, we were meant to be, any of those things, I would have felt fine. But not, you need to be with the devil, you know. Really? How about not be with the devil at all?
2: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. 1981. There probably are some details here that you might not know. So you had seen her over Thanksgiving, right? Yes, we were all there. Right before. This mm-hmm. is the weekend right after Thanksgiving, the weekend of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So on the boat,
3: we mm-hmm. have
2: obviously Natalie. We have Robert Wagner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I call him RJ. Did you call him RJ? Yes, RJ. RJ. So sometimes we might do that. There was also Christopher Walken. So Christopher Walken was about 38 years of age at that uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. He was a hot actor. I know some of you will remember, but he, was, he had won an Oscar for Deer Hunter. And right then, he was also um, appearing and shooting a film with Natalie called Brainstorm. So he joins them. And then Dennis Deverne. Dennis Deverne was there because he was the man hired by Robert Wagner to captain the Splendor.
3: Well, Dennis was always on the boat because he would go and buy the groceries and make sure that the boat was clean and everything was ready for them and, and do all, all the handyman work. So it's, they go on
2: Friday, and the, this is some of the new information that we were able to get from this reopening of the investigation. But in fact, there was a fight Friday night, too, wasn't there? Yes. The very first night they get there, there is a fight. What do you know about this fight now?
3: Only what Dennis had said. He said that they were fighting. RJ wanted to move the yacht. Natalie didn't want to move the yacht. Then evidently the, the fight continued and she said to Dennis, I wanna be taken on shore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay at a motel on shore.
2: Dennis Deverne took Natalie ashore Friday night on the dinghy. That's the small boat attached to the yacht that's used to ferry passengers to and from the shore. Natalie stayed on Catalina Island that night, but she returned to the Splendor the next day. Um, then in that Saturday afternoon, she goes to um, shore again, this time with Christopher Walken. They're having a good time. They're flirtatious. Um, and then Robert and Dennis DeVern meet them. Robert, according to witnesses, is not very happy. They all drink too much. According to witnesses at the restaurant, they come back to the boat. And now I'm gonna show you um, what Dennis Deverne told investigators happened after they got back to the boat. This is Saturday night.
1: Natalie puts on the kettle to have a cup of tea.
2: You're now listening to Dennis Deverne himself.
1: I light a couple of candles. I opened a bottle of wine.
2: Now, keep in mind that initially back in 1981, at the time of the death, Deverne's story matched Robert Wagner's. He said that Natalie simply disappeared off the boat. But it was years later when Deverne told us and investigators a very different version of what he remembers of that fateful night, when he, Natalie, Robert Wagner, and Christopher Walken returned to the boat.
1: Natalie and Christopher continued to giggle, just having fun. And then Robert Wagner, out of the clear blue, picked up the bottle of wine and smashed it.
0: It breaks and goes everywhere. And he yells at walking. When you try to do my wife, uh, everything just kind of stops.
1: Natalie, she said, I cannot take this. And she went into her room.
2: According to DeVern, Christopher Walken also went to his room.
1: Then RJ went into the room, Natalie and RJ's room, started arguing, yelling, things being thrown about.
2: At that point, Deverne says he leaves and goes to the top of the boat. But Deverne told investigators, even though he can't see the couple, he can still hear them fighting.
1: Fighting continued and then to the back of the boat, I I was concerned that something really bad was going down because the fighting, the arguing was so intense.
2: Until now, DeVern has been the only person to put both Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood outside on the back of the boat arguing Saturday night before she died.
1: We have received information, which we felt was substantial.
2: But after the press conference reopening the case, investigators got a huge break. Two new witnesses told detectives they not only heard the fight, one of them says she saw it.
1: Saw figures on the back of the Splendor, male and a female, whose voices they recognized as being
2: Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood, arguing in the back of the boat. And how credible are these new witnesses?
0: Oh, They're, uh, they're very credible. They have no reason to lie. And, they, and they, their
2: story matches what Dennis Devern says. Like Deverne, both witnesses say the argument stopped suddenly.
1: And then all of a sudden there was nothing. Complete silence.
2: Okay, now here's a very important set of details. According even to Robert Wagner, everyone, this happened at midnight. And yet Robert Wagner did not even call, and, and even then he didn't call the Coast Guard. He called the restaurant to see if anyone had seen Natalie, even though she had disappeared, he said, off the boat. And he doesn't call the Coast Guard until 3.30 a.m., so she disappears from the boat. Everyone knows she's missing at midnight, and he doesn't call the Coast Guard till 3.30. And then Natalie Wood's body is found around 7.44 a.m. on that day. Okay, now here's something that um, really struck all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't... Right after he finds out that his wife has been found, your sister has been found,
3: what does he do? He's picked up by helicopter and taken back to uh, the mainland, and sends Dennis Deverne to identify the body and stay with it. How do you feel about that? It's hard to believe for me. I don't understand why any husband, no matter what fight you've had or whatever, wouldn't run to be with their wife at a time like that. And then after the funeral, when we all went back to the house, I went upstairs and RJ was sitting in the master bedroom. And I stood there and I said, RJ, what happened? And he wouldn't even look at me. He said, it it was an accident. You've got to believe me. And then somebody grabbed me by the arm and said, leave him alone, leave him alone and pulled me out of the bedroom. That was it.
2: Did you just think this was some terrible accident that...
3: Well, I wanted to, therefore, I accepted it at the time, more or less. Lana, did you ever get to ask him why he waited? Like, that has always bothered me the most. He would, yes, it bothers me too. He would no longer take calls from me. And there's something else that still really bothers Lana.
2: It's what Robert Wagner first told investigators when asked about that dinghy, the small boat, which was missing from the yacht. He told them he thought that maybe
3: Natalie had taken it ashore. She didn't take the dinghy alone to go anywhere. She asked Dennis to take her because Natalie did not run the dinghy. She didn't do any of that, and I think that's something else that's being overlooked because RJ then said one of his statements was, Well, she probably took the dinghy to go to a party because she was like that. Now those are his own words. That obsession. She you, doesn't was in a it? nightgown and wool socks. She had put on a down jacket to stand on the back of the boat. Well, so, so that's being overlooked. All right. So where are
2: we? We now know there was a fight. We know that the L.A. County Sheriff's Department see Natalie Wood's husband as a person of interest. But we also know that no charges have been filed against anyone in this investigation. And here's why, according to Detective Ralph Hernandez. We have not been able to prove that this was a homicide, and we haven't been
1: able to prove that this was an accident either. The ultimate problem is we don't know how she ended up in the water.
2: The statutes of limitations have run out on all crimes except one, murder. And to prove murder, there has to be evidence that someone intentionally put Natalie in the water. Falling in by accident wouldn't count. If people knew that Natalie Wood was in the water and they didn't save her, they could have saved her and they didn't save her, would that be enough to bring charges in this case?
1: No, that's not. Believe it or not, there's no duty to act.
2: But Robert Wagner has always insisted he did all he could.
1: Believe me, if she had called out or she had made any uh, noises or if we'd have heard anything, there were three of us there. We would have done something. Nobody heard anything.
2: Now, something that I haven't mentioned yet, but I think affects this investigation, and it's something that's happened since we worked on it, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. So you saw Lieutenant John Carina, and unfortunately this year, John Carina died suddenly, unexpectedly, mm-hmm. um, which has probably hurt the investigation. It's exactly. a tough question to ask oh. you, Lana. I mean, do you... I mean, right now... Robert Wagner is a person of interest. He's been called that publicly. Um, The case is now, uh, the manner of death has been determined no longer just be an accident, but undetermined.
3: Right. Uh, But do you think this is as far as it's gonna go? Yes, I do. RJ has refused to speak to these detectives since the case has been reopened. I'm being very specific because his attorney says in print, RJ has um, spoken to the police and has said everything he needs to say. He spoke to them on the splendor when they first came. He has never spoken to Ralph Fernandez or Kevin Lowe who were in charge of the investigation. I, I don't understand why he wouldn't want to, why he wouldn't want to do everything he can
2: now, just in the interest of fairness, you know that Robert Wagner has said that both you and Dennis are just using your sister's
3: death to help yourselves, that you've experienced. her How am I helping myself? I put myself on the line. People sometimes think that I'm gunning for R.J. I'm not. I'm looking for the truth. What would Natalie think about what you're doing? She had come to my defense many, many times throughout my life. And I think she would be very proud that I am trying to come to hers. Thank you. I'm
2: Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and that's my life of crime. This podcast series is developed by 48 Hours in partnership with CBS News Radio. Judy Tigart is our executive producer. Nancy Kramer, our executive story editor. Michael Vallee, the series producer editor. This episode is produced by Mark Goldbaum, Liza Finley, and Ryan Smith. Morgan County is our associate producer. Craig Swagler is the vice president and general manager of CBS News Radio. Charles E. Pavlounis is the executive vice president of business development and the CFO of CBS News. A special thanks goes to Lana Wood, who came to tell her sister's story. Finally, a shout-out to you. We owe it all to you, the millions of fans of 48 Hours here in the U.S. and around the world. Now, don't forget to join me online. I am at EF Moriarty on Twitter, and we are at 48 Hours on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tune in to CBS News every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern as we begin our 33rd season of Crime and Justice Original Reporting on 48 Hours.
0: Take true crime with you on your shirt, mug, or hat with official 48 hours merchandise at ParamountShop.com. You can take 20% off with code HOURS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 48 hours products with code HOURS20 at ParamountShop.com.
1: Are you ready for an all new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss.